What happens when you add an overprotective sister, a cowardly ghost ward, and a power-hungry witch? Tales to the Void presents Devil's Night Fright. October 30th, 7.08 p.m. The old GPS died a violent, staticky death as my sister and I pulled up to the old factory off Burt Road. A few streetlights around barely lit up the road, let alone the old parking lot we were in. Combine that with boarded up windows, an empty street, and an unending gust of wind? I was downright freaked out. I let the car idle while I leaned forward on the steering wheel and looked up at the factory's large brick chimney. The name Denali Tool Co. was painted on the side in white paint. At one point, it might have stuck out brightly against the red and brown bricks, but here and now it was faded by years of weather and sun into a measly outline. The connected office building looked to be in slightly better condition than its factory counterpart. Clarissa revved the engine lightly. I so don't want to go in there, I said without breaking my gaze. She revved again, louder this time. Yeah, I get it, I said angrily. But you're not the one putting your ass on the line here. If shit starts flying around, it'll just pass through you. I'll be the one that gets knocked around. In response, she shifted into park and spun her back wheels. The tires started kicking up stones from the gravel lot into a nearby fence. The sounds of rocks bouncing off the metal echoed loudly around us. I punched the steering wheel a few times and yelled for her to stop. God damn it, shut up! I'll go! She stopped her tantrum and the relative silence from before returned. I gave myself a couple of seconds before finally getting out of the car. The night was cold to begin with, but with that extra chill from the wind, I might as well have been in my underwear for how much good my uniform was doing. I dashed to the back of the car and pulled out my messenger bag I had prepared earlier. I felt my equipment bouncing around in the bag as I moved towards the closest door. It was a plain metal door with bits of rust flaking off all over. I tried the handle but it refused to open. I gripped it as hard as I could with both hands and pulled with everything I had. I felt the muscles in my arms tense at the strain, but before they could completely fail me, my hand slipped off the handle. I stumbled backwards several feet and fell on my ass into a puddle of water. Son of a bitch, I growled aloud. Clarissa hovered by the door and shook her head. Yeah, fuck you two. The water soaked through my uniform, my jeans, and into my boxers before I could get up. The soaking wet material clung to my skin and made the already miserable night worse. Getting beat by a door was one thing, but had the water on top of that? Bad omens all around. Clarissa sighed and phased through into the factory while I returned to the door for another round. I opened up one of the pouches on my belt and pulled out a piece of chalk. Thankfully, something had stayed dry. On the door, I drew out some runes I had memorized for opening doors and locks. I stared at my handiwork for a few minutes before I fixed a few stray lines and corrected the angle of one of my symbols. Once everything was all set, I put my hand at the center and concentrated my will through my palm and forced it into the door. The symbols glowed with a dull white light, but nothing happened. I pushed more energy into the spell and the light intensified accordingly. I was afraid my runes were going to melt the door they were burning so brightly. 
but eventually it shuddered open with a final loud complaint of metal scraping against concrete. The runes died once I pulled my hand away. I cleared the chalk away with my sleeve, but regretted the decision once I saw my arm come back stained from the rusty door. I added that to my growing list of bad luck for the evening. October 1st, 11.28am. Rafik and I had done a lot of prep work for tonight. After we'd cleaned up our previous encounter, of course. Once we'd gotten our story straight, and I clued him in onto what I'd found in the bag, we dove in head first from there. He looked into the journal and other possible encounters that had happened over the past few months while I focused on the bag. I grilled a bunch of people on the warding side to see if they knew anything. I came up a lot shorter on info than Rafik did, but I was able to find out from some local suppliers that someone had made some weirdly specific orders. Rafik provided the actually useful information about what was going on. From the journal and a few other sources he found, he realized that we were dealing with an extinct form of magic. It's like when a phone is updated, he explained to me inside his repaired office. Though the door was clearly much older than the other ones in the hall, it was made of much sterner stuff. Programmers are constantly updating the operating system, making it more streamlined, adding features and whatnot. Wait, give me a sec. I think I can get there without you leading me by the nose. Rafik waited patiently while I organized my thoughts. Okay, so... We've got all these years of spells and shit built up from the basics that our ancestors created. I checked Rafik to make sure I was on the right path. He nodded his head in agreement. So what the journal describes is basically magic version 2.0. But now we're on version 3.8 or whatever. Exactly, Rafik said. The kind of magic that person used is one of the most basic versions, practically extinct at this point. Why is it so powerful then? I asked. It's because it's so old and non-specific. We've taken all that raw power from the basics and parceled it around. Did you know, in those days, they only had two spells to determine pregnancy? We've got more than a dozen now that can give us ten times the information. Of course, the specificity is at the expense of the spell's power. Of course, I said sarcastically. Our magic is so great. I almost wonder why we don't use it every day. I leaned back in my chair and looked towards Rafik. He gave me a not quite disappointed look, but it was close. You know why magic isn't used that often. Technology. Technology. Why should someone spend the time learning to complete pregnancy spells when we have ultrasound machines? I know that, Rafik, but you turned into a were-panther! Rafik shushed me quickly and waved me down. Shh! That shit was crazy, man, I said more quietly. Sure, our lives are easier with technology, but damn, what if? We let the question hang in the air as we both imagined a world where magic ran supreme. Rafik flexed his hands and stared. It doesn't matter, he finally said. We've passed that world by. What you've seen, what I've had to live through, that can't be allowed to become the norm. My mouth opened and closed a few times before I finally decided that my best bet was to keep quiet. We'd already had the pity party, and I didn't think starting that back up would help. The two of us spent the rest of the night planning out what we had to do. October 30th, 7.17pm. My heart didn't beat any slower as I walked inside, especially with it being as dark as it was. I felt around inside my bag and grabbed several glow sticks I had bought. 
along with a big metal flashlight I found in my closet. I snapped several glow sticks and they quickly filled the small area with a green glow. I placed them around the entrance I had used and turned my flashlight on. I swung the light around and realized I was in an aged office. I looked over the door and read a dirty fire exit sign above it. I thought about how difficult it was to open with magic and hoped dearly I wouldn't need to use it as a quick escape. I turned around and walked deeper into the hallway. While each step was accompanied by the crunch of carpet littered with dead bugs and bits of drooping ceiling tiles, the air felt stale and full of dust. Tiny offices stood with empty doorways and rotten furniture inside. But no matter where I turned, it felt like something was watching me. The feeling continued until I spotted my sister further down the hall, standing in front of some doorway. The dull blue glow from her aura did wonders for my confidence, and I rushed towards her. She nodded to me as I got there and floated into the office. This one was larger than the others, with two desks side by side that were in front of a large window, looking out into the factory floor. Must have been the foreman's office, I said to her. She shrugged her shoulders and pointed onwards towards the window. The factory floor looked like an empty pit that was only being held back by the thin sheet of glass between us. I briefly searched the darkness, but no matter what, I couldn't see any deeper than a few feet. Clarissa lifted my arm with a flashlight and dispelled the illusion. All that was there was a dusty floor, broken up by steel columns and bits of metal and paper left behind. Thanks, I said sheepishly. She just shook her head and floated through the wall. I quickly followed behind, snapping off another glow stick and leaving it in the windowsill. October 12th, 3.13pm. I believe that our mystery witch will make his move on the 30th. Rafiq said to me, Don't be sexist, Raph. They could be a she. Is that really important right now? He responded with a bemused expression. I'm just saying. He raised his hands in acceptance. Fine. They are probably going to make their move on the 30th. What makes you so sure? The 30th of October? Devil's Night? They'd be hard-pressed to find another night so charged with negative energy. Aw, oh, shit, I said with realization. Yeah. Yeah, that could work. But wait. Devil's Night got turned into Angel's Night years ago. No one's been allowed to burn the city down ever since. Yes, it's not as bad as it used to be for sure, but the new feelings likely haven't been able to permeate the ether as strongly as the old ones have. People may know about the 30th being changed to Angel's Night, but their first thought was still to be the destruction that usually came with it. Okay, I gotcha. It's nice that we have a when. Does that mean we have a why as well? I asked hopefully. Not as such, he responded after a moment of hesitation. I pulled up both hands, middle fingers held high towards Rafiq for getting my hopes up. A look of disdain accompanied the twin insults. It's not a total loss, he said quickly. I built a few theories about what this person could be aiming for. My left hand came down while the other remained where it was. Looking at the notes we recovered from the journal, this may be an attempt to strengthen a familial apparition, or a move to strengthen the user's power to a degree several magnitudes above their current standing. I've also charted out a potential for an aimed magical attack, though where that would be focused is beyond me. Why did you even bring it up then? I asked, now getting serious. I'm not saying it's more or less likely than the others, it's just what I can figure from what we've already seen. This final step may be about taking down a larger target, one more important than a college professor or a single household. 
I pushed both hands into my eyes and groaned loudly. What have we gotten ourselves into? October 30th, 7.26pm. Clarissa stayed close to me while he explored the musty factory. Her presence made me feel a lot safer, even if she wasn't really there. My light revealed as much as it could as we walked on. The shadows from the columns shifted and turned like they were following me. Along one wall I spotted several pieces of cardboard laid out like a bed. There were some empty plastic bags and dirty rags sprawled out as well. Homeless guy must have been sleeping here, I said aloud. Hope they aren't still around. Clarissa floated over to the makeshift bed and I followed behind. Her gaze scanned over the discarded objects slowly. I kept the light steady for her while I kept watch around us. Not that I could really see anything, but it felt safer than turning my back to it. Eventually I spun around and saw Clarissa squatting next to something on the ground. I couldn't see from where I stood, but she had a serious look on her face. What you looking at? I asked. She just responded by pointing at an old plastic wrapper. I pushed it aside, and underneath it, I spotted what Clarissa had been staring at. A trail of blood led to a yellowed tooth on the ground, like it was some kind of trail leading to a disturbing treasure. Oh, what the fuck! I shouted as I shot myself backward. Clarissa stood up and came over to me with her fist raised in a fighter stance. He had no shit get ready. Motherfucker's pulling out teeth. Or worse. She grabbed my hand and clenched it between hers before nodding for us to move on. Fuck. I said in response, but followed nevertheless. I could tell my slower pace was annoying her, but I didn't care. We turned a corner and spotted a flickering glow in the distance. I threw myself flush with the wall and clicked the flashlight off. Up until right now, I had convinced myself there was nothing here, and that all the stuff leading up to this point was just freak accidents. But that little light just forced home that everything I'd been dealing with was real. I could be walking into some psycho's den, their home base, with nothing more than a few homemade tools and my big sister. The thought put me about two seconds away from a full-on panic attack. Clarissa grabbed my shoulders and shook me once. She tried to shake me again, but I shoved her off desperately. I looked up at her disappointed gaze and felt myself wilt even further. With one hand, she pointed to herself and then to the light, while the other was held up for me to stay. Relief rose up to overtake the terror. She could handle this, I thought. She was tough as nails and not afraid of anything. She'd go up there and... And what? She was a ghost. She couldn't use magic or make contact with anything. Well, I just stuck to the wall and hope nothing happens to her? The relief vanished as quickly as it had come. But unluckily for me, it was replaced with something else. I leaned forward and grabbed my sister's wrist. She looked back at me with one eyebrow raised. Just give me a second. I tried to sound indignant, but she knew me well enough to call the bluff. All the same, she gave me a small smile and waited patiently. Once I'd gotten mentally prepared again, we moved towards the light. There were nine candles arrayed randomly around a circular wooden table covered in books. Two old chalkboards sat behind it, both of them full of indecipherable scribbles, along with a small nightstand that sat off to the side. We crept up to the scene slowly. My mind raced at what the books could be about, 
or what dark spells the chalkboards were full of. Before my curiosity could drive me forward, though, my sister put her arm across my chest. I stopped in my tracks while she made a quick check of the area. I watched her float around the table and behind the blackboards, then returned back to me after a final glance towards the nightstand. I looked to her and she nodded confidently. Feeling much safer knowing we were alone, I headed towards the blackboards first. No longer obscured by the flickering lights, I could see that they were full of runes and formula. I noticed comments about ways to strengthen energy using specific animal parts. There was a spot sectioned off in the corner that read like a laundry list. Rat knuckles, two to four, centipede antenna, rawhide, mugwort brute shavings, tears of a broken man? The ingredients continued to get stranger as the list went on. I think this recipe is for a mojo bag, I said to Clarissa. She poked me in the back and I turned around to her pointing at the books, then back to the blackboards. I swept my hand over the cluttered table. I'm thinking that the boards are their notes they took from the books. The candles gave off just enough light to read some of the covers. A study of American warding and ancient runology were the closest to me. I flipped an open book shut and read the cover. Journal 1708. Looks like our friend here has a journal of their own. I said, thinking of the one Rafiq had shown me. Wonder where they got it. It's a family heirloom. A voice responded from behind me. I have the rest of the collection at home. I leapt up in a panic at the unexpected voice and spun around to face it. But all I saw were the two blackboards. Clarissa flew between me and where the voice had come from, absently shooing me back while she tried to see what was going on. I had already been backing away by the time she got there and had knocked over several books in the process. Out from behind one of the blackboards came a slender woman with short black hair and a disarming smile. She was dressed in a wool skirt and sweater with a dark gray scarf wrapped around her neck. A pair of worn sneakers broke the professional image the rest of her gave off. Hello, Bailey, she said with a hint of excitement. I'm glad you made it tonight. October 28th, 9.40 p.m. All right, that should do it, I said to myself. At first glance, the claw hammer looked like one you'd find in any hardware store. The rune was subtly carved into the head. I shook the metal shavings off my sleeve and walked toward Clarissa's punching bag. She made me take it when I moved out from our parents' house. I told her it was a waste of space, but she wouldn't waver. I was eating my words now. I put the hammer down and rolled my shoulders a few times. Clarissa floated over to the punching bag across from me. She had a shit-eating grin on her face as she circled a spot in the side of the bag with her finger. I sneered at her. I made a few practice swings and tried to remember what Clarissa taught me about throwing a punch. She just floated behind the bag, her stupid smile still plastered all over her face. I felt my temper start to boil. I pulled my arm back in a wide arc and put my weight on my back foot, then swung. My fist flew with the punching bag and made contact, but just barely. My momentum carried my fist on, scraping my knuckles against the leather and leaving a stinging red mark across my skin. God damn it! I cried out, cradling my hand. My sister was on her back, laughing like a madwoman. She was clutching at her stomach as she rocked back and forth, tears rolling down her cheeks. The only saving grace was that she couldn't be heard. I turned my back to her and blew on my knuckles. When I turned back around, she was behind the bag again, though clearly holding back some laughter. I leaned down and grabbed the hammer off the ground. 
Laugh it up, bitch, I said to her. Things are going to be different this time. I swung the hammer full force of the bag and shouted, SMASH! A burst of light shot out in all directions from where the hammer hit the bag, immediately followed by a crash of thunder. The blow broke the chain that held the bag up and sent it flying. It sailed through the air directly into the wall with a loud thud. Clarissa stared, mouth wide open, at the bag. A trail of smoke slowly rose up into the air. That is what I'm talking about! I yelled while jumping in excitement. Who the fuck needs to throw a punch when you've got this? God damn! I am the fucking man! Before I could continue the list of self-compliments, I was struck with the realization my right arm wasn't moving very well. It was shaking wildly while the hammer lay on the ground near my feet. It was then the pain hit, and I dropped to my knees. Clarissa was over me in a second, looking at my arm. She tried to grab hold of it, but I swatted her away. Hurts! I spit out from behind my clenched jaw. She sat by me as I caught my breath. Apparently, there are some drawbacks to consider. Clarissa nodded her head at my comments. After a few minutes, the pain subsided into a dull ache. I tried to lift my arm above my shoulder, but a shooting pain made the task impossible. I spotted the hammer where it lay, the head as fine as it was before the test run. I picked it up carefully, a little fearful of the power it had. Well, I said tiredly, guess the other runes will need some work too. October 30th, 7.48pm. Where did you come from? I demanded loudly, hoping my voice sounded confident. Clarissa flew closer towards her and glared down at the smaller woman. It seems this one is fairly protective of you, she said looking at Clarissa. Yeah, my sister's crazy like that. Where did you just come from? I asked again more assertively. It's usually family, she said offhandedly. Not many people can rely on their friends for this much after death. The woman stepped over to the left chalkboard and tapped her finger on a section near the center. I used an invisibility spell. It's written right here. She turned her back towards us and started to read aloud. Bathe a piece of cloth in a mixture of dried heather and cuttlefish skin. Stitch in the right rune. She flipped over one end of her scarf and showed off the rune in question. Imbue with some power. You've got yourself an invisibility spell. She calmly stepped away from the board and back to the table. It takes a lot of energy, though, so it doesn't last very long. But I'm getting ahead of myself. My name's Lydia Trine, and you're Winston Bailey Greer. A wicked smile broke out as she said my name. I guess I should be surprised you know me, but if you're smart enough to create an invisibility spell that's actually useful, researching me probably wasn't that hard. I spat while edging sideways, so the table remained between us. She shrugged her shoulders. To be fair, I had a little help. I think you're the smart one, though. For example, how did you find me? She leaned forward expectantly, waiting for my response with that eerie smile. It felt weird to me how nonchalant she was being about everything, but I might learn something if I kept at it. Locator spell on an old GPS I had lying around, I responded matter-of-factly. Yes! That is exactly what I wanted to hear! I flinched back at the excitement in her voice. You're smart enough to use magic when you need it. That's something we share. A willingness to use the tools of our ancestors. I furrowed my brows at her. That was like the first spell I learned. A high school with an internet connection could do that. Sure they could, she said with a shrug, but they wouldn't think to. I'd be surprised if they even had the instinct for it. Not you, though. You realize the power that magic gives us. 
If magic's so powerful, then why did my GPS help it explode when I finally got here? I said, hoping to buy myself some more time. She leaned back, some of her fervor drained away. That's because technology isn't capable of meshing with magic. They're both too complicated now. Too much going on. We should have never diverted away from magic in the first place. The Industrial Revolution was a mistake. Look! She rushed over and opened up the nightstand and dug through it for a second. Catch! was all she said before she tossed a book at me. It sailed through Clarissa, who was still bearing down on Lydia. I reached out to grab it midair, but the book fumbled through my hands before hitting the floor with a loud thud. I looked up at Lydia, but she just nodded towards the book with a small smirk on her face. I knelt down slowly, keeping my eye on her the whole time. The page is dog-eared, she said once I stood back up. With flashlight in hand, I flipped to the marked page. Watch her for me, Clarissa. She nodded once in response. You can stop with the theatrics. I want you here, Lydia said. I ignored her comment and read from the book. It was the journal of some old magic user. However, they had way more power than they would today. The author described a time when they were able to control an entire village of people with just a single spell. I jumped back a few pages and found a passage that described their ability to cast spells with only a gesture. No activation words needed. I jumped around a few more passages describing incredible feats of magic before flipping the book shut. I looked at the cover briefly, then tossed it over my shoulder. Lydia reached out as if she could pluck it from the air, but a few seconds later, a loud splash filled the room. That's all fine and dandy, I said staring directly at her, but what the fuck does any of this have to do with me? She glared at me, but calmed herself down with a long exhale. What this has to do with you is, I want you. I gave her a pitying look and shook my head. You're not really my type. Not like that, asshole, she said quickly. I want a partner, someone here with me as I bring magic back to the city. After what you did to that ghost, and again with your friend in Ann Arbor, I knew you had what it takes. You even proved it by finding me from the ingredients in my mojo bag. I mean, it's one thing to handle magic like you do. She droned on, but I wasn't listening to any of it. The reminder of what she'd done to me over the last few weeks, of how my life had been completely flipped upside down because of some elementary school girl fantasy she had, brought all my anger to bear. I slammed my hand on the table, interrupting any more of Lydia's long-winded speech. You stupid bitch, I said, not caring even the smallest iota about what I was doing. You stupid, half-baked idiot! You think for even one fucking second I want to be a part of this shit? I want my old life back! Not some nut job world where any jackass can cast a, a fireball or some shit! Who would want that? But, but that's how magic used to be, she said defensively. Why shouldn't we want to bring it back to the way it was? Because we've moved on, I shouted back at her. If magic was so great, why did it get left behind, huh? How could we have even advanced like we did? She started to answer, but I cut her off. It's because it's not that great. Everything costs so much with magic. It's either time, energy, or supplies. God, unless you've got a knack for it, chances are you won't even be able to cast shit. That book you threw me was just some freak of nature that got lucky. There's no way that could happen now. Lydia stood still with her fists clenched to her sides, clearly shaken by my reaction. I continued on. I gotta say, I like that if I want to cool my house down in the summer, I don't need to chunk off a fucking iceberg and to sacrifice a goat on top of a marble altar I hand-carved. Cut the shit, 
Forget about bringing something back that's dead for a reason. I was breathing heavy after my rant, but Lydia still hadn't made a sound. Clarissa hung quietly between us, the table cutting her in half, completely ignored. This isn't how it was supposed to go, she said at last. <laughs> that's the case? Then you shouldn't have gotten me involved. I felt confident now. I just shut her down and was ready for more. Now let's cut the shit. I'm gonna call the cops, and you're gonna take the rap for all the crazy bullshit that's happened recently. What? You, you can't arrest me. I didn't say I was. I said I was going to call the cops. I started to walk around the table to get to her. They'll do the actual arresting. I'm just gonna keep you here. She dropped down to her knees. You're going to regret this. Talk is cheap, Lid. Now get up. I don't want to get my uniform any dirtier. All of a sudden, a ring of dark green light came to life around the table. Clarissa spun around and flew at me, but crashed into a wall of energy. The look of terror on her face was plain as day in the green glow as she flew against another spot, but was stopped once more. My head shot down to my feet, and I saw the warding ring. I had been so focused on the books and chalkboard, I never noticed it. You bitch! I shouted and rushed towards her. She was already on her feet with her palm facing me. One moment I was charging her, ready to knock her lights out, and the next, I was on my back half a dozen feet away with the wind knocked out of me. What the <coughs> fuck? I wheezed out. You thought no one could cast spells but just a gesture, huh? A new wave of force more compact than the first nailed me in the side. <coughs> that circle your sister's trapped in can do a lot more than just hold ghosts, you little pissant. Harry, get your ass out here! I slowly sat up, the blow to my side complaining the whole way. Inside the circle, I watched one of the books burst open, with pages flipping madly one after the other. Clarissa backed away from it and watched warily. The form of a scruffy old man, in layers of worn-out clothes and tired eyes, appeared in the circle. You want to pass on, Harry? Lydia said viciously. Kill the girl! And how's that supposed to work? Ghosts can't destroy each other! I shouted out. I finally made it back to my feet, but I hung back. I had no intention of trying to rush her again. I told you, that circle does more than trap ghosts. And when Harry does destroy your sister, shattering the bond between you two, it's going to be the catalyst I need to bring magic back. No, I said in disbelief. That isn't how this works. Oh, but it is, she replied, her wicked grin back on her face. Especially in the new world. As soon as that positive bond you two share snaps, we'll be living in a beautiful new world. Clarissa didn't waste any more time listening to Lydia. The muscles in her arm flexed into definition as she threw the first punch directly into the man's face. In any other instance, that would have been a jaw-shattering blow. But he was completely unaffected by it. In fact, Clarissa seemed to have come away from that exchange the loser. She held her hand up, and it was visibly faded. You might want to avoid hitting him like that, dear. Lydia said ominously. I tore my eyes away from Lydia and watched as the man clumsily lunged towards my sister, both arms outstretched, his mouth held in a horrible snarl. Clarissa dropped down on one knee and used her hands to flip him over. His back collided soundlessly with the barrier. Those few seconds of contact seemed to sap her strength. He was already back on his feet and making another charge towards her. Just dodge him! I shouted. I'll figure something out! She ducked below his grasp and hopped to the side, trying to put some distance between them. Harry was relentless, though, and was on her almost immediately. I ran over to the circle and examined the nearest room. I wouldn't be able to chip the pain away fast enough, 
but if I could make some adjustments with my chalk, I might be able to cancel the draining effect. Lydia wasn't going to give me the time, though. A gust of wind sent me tumbling away. You didn't forget about me, did you? She asked while walking towards me. Not that I'm particularly worried about you saving your sister. I looked back to Clarissa and saw her, still dodging the other ghost's grasp, but the strain was clearly showing on her face. Clarissa had another close dodge and rushed to the other side of the circle. She was bent over, her hands resting above her knees. While she didn't need to breathe, her body was gasping for something. It was then I noticed a small wisp of energy leave her form and get pulled into the circle. Oh no, I said with dread. That's right, Bailey. It may not be as fast as if Harry could get a hold of her, but that circle is draining her energy non-stop. How much longer do you think she's going to last in there? My hand slapped against the concrete as I made a desperate scramble to another set of runes, but once again I was blasted away by a wall of wind. I yelled incoherently as I sailed backwards. I landed on my bag and felt its contents jab painfully into my side. I didn't want this, Bailey, Lydia yelled from her place in the circle's glow. I imagine it going so much better. You helping me to make this world right, not some desperate move to defend it. I ignored her and reached inside my bag. My hands floundered around until I hit what I was looking for. I gripped the taser tightly in my hand and stalked through the darkness surrounding the others. Your sister's dying here, Bailey, she shouted out where she thought I was. My eyes darted to Clarissa briefly. She ducked another bear hug, but tripped in the scramble. Harry swung around to take advantage, but a quick kick pushed him back. Her foot was practically gone now, but she kept moving. I wanted to dart out and help her, but getting caught now would practically guarantee we didn't make it out of this. Get out here! Lydia yelled in frustration. She stamped her foot down and a gust of wind shot out around her. Books and papers went flying. As much as she wanted me, she wasn't stupid enough to leave the circle unguarded. Soon enough, I made it around to her side. Her head swiveled from one direction to the next, trying to determine where I would come from. I pointed the gun at her and channeled my energy into it. The runes started to brighten up as more energy flooded into them. Just as I was about to fire, her head turned to exactly where I stood. Her eyes were glowing the same green as the energy from the ring. I pulled the trigger without even realizing it. Stunt! I yelled out with everything I had. The probes launched out at her, but were quickly consumed and disintegrated by the magically charged electricity. Instead of the two metal prongs, it looked like a bolt of lightning was flying towards her. It struck her on the collarbone and sent her hurtling through the air. She passed through the two ghosts, completely ignorant of anything but their own fight, and disappeared into the darkness. I dropped the ruined taser and ran over to the circle. The smell of burnt flesh was strong, but I ignored it. I noticed Clarissa was missing an entire arm now and was getting tagged again and again. All the energy that Harry had absorbed from my sister had emboldened him. He was batting her around like a cat with a ball of string now. I tore my attention away from them and looked at the runes. They seemed like a mashup of several different runes combined into one. It was the Frankenstein of spells, but I recognized the different pieces. The problem was I couldn't figure out what was holding them together. Just slapping different spells together couldn't make a new one. As I was busy studying them, a flash of light drew my attention. Above me, Clarissa leaned against the barrier of the warding circle. She was clearly exhausted while her enemy was bigger than ever. A black glow hung on him like a cape, billowing out around him in all directions. He glared at both of us and crossed over his throat with his thumb. The pathetic creature from earlier had been replaced by one sadistic son of a bitch. Clarissa banged against the barrier with her remaining hand and pointed at the blackboard to our side. I wanted to kick myself for not thinking of it earlier, but I didn't have time. Clarissa had moments left, if that. 
I rushed to the blackboard and pored over every section of it. Lydia pointed out the invisibility spell earlier. Chances were she'd have written down other ones as well. As the seconds ticked by, fear started to consume me from within. What if Lydia had found this spell in one of her books? Or she thought it up herself and never bothered to write it down? I continued searching, but the idea that my sister was about to be destroyed played over and over in my head. On top of that, I still wasn't sure if Lydia was telling the truth or not about our bond powering the spell. I moved from board to board, frantically trying to find what I was looking for. As I prepared to jump again, something caught my eye. Directly in the center, hidden among all the other chalk scratchings, was the key I needed. According to the note, each rune was drawn to specific dimensions that let them interact with one another. I went through the runes I knew could help and double-checked her notes. My plan solidified by the time I made it back to the circle. With chalk in hand, I made my changes to the first rune. Harry was on top of Clarissa now, a sadistic grin on his face as he drained her dry. The next rune was slightly different and forced me to adjust my design. Clarissa wasn't fading as fast now, but she was being bared down on. The final rune had to be changed now. I reached it as Harry cocked his fist back for a final blow. Again, the rune was different from the other two, but I had expected that. Two quick slashes through the middle and a connecting semicircle, and the spell was officially reversed. Harry's fist flew towards her face, but she met it halfway with a headbutt that sent his arm flying backwards. He looked at his arm and back to her in confusion, and then in horror as he realized what was happening. Clarissa, now sapping Harry's energy like he had done to her just moments ago, grabbed hold of his throat. Blow after blow rained down to try and force Clarissa to release her grip, but it was useless. She wasn't letting go anytime soon. Fuck yeah! I cheered excitedly. Held like he was, Harry was fading quickly. One look at his eyes and you could practically hear him begging. But Clarissa wasn't giving an inch, and I cheered around even more for it. As my sister continued to drain Harry, a forgotten voice shouted out at me. You son of a bitch! Oh shit! As the words left my mouth, I felt a massive weight crash down on top of me, forcing me to the ground. My limbs sprawled out around me as the pressure pushed down on my entire body. If you needed any more proof that the new world would have benefited you, this is it. I mean, come on! You didn't just break my spell, you reversed it! That spell took me weeks to work up! When Lydia walked into view, I saw that my lightning bolt had burned off her top from her shoulder almost all the way down to her hip. On her skin, I saw more than a dozen runes and spells drawn into her skin, several of them glowing the same sickly green as the circle. It looks like you had a few tricks left, I said through gritted teeth as the weight continued to press down on me. Oh, you mean these? She said, showing off the runes on her body. Yeah, they took a lot more risk than some of the other stuff, but the benefits have made them well worth it. For example, she lifted her hand up, and the pressure holding me down suddenly shot me upward. I screamed as I hurtled towards the ceiling. My arms came up instinctively to protect my head and face, but that did little good for my legs. As I struck the rafters, a piece of metal shot into my left thigh, and my scream renewed. The sound of the metal being pulled out as I was yanked back to the ground could only be described as a wet pop. The primitive part of my brain told me this was the end, but the conscious part still tried flailing my arms in an awkward attempt to survive. I stopped inches before splattering against the ground, but my limbs were locked into place. It felt like they were held together by a giant's hand. I turned my head and felt a little relief seeing my sister. There was practically nothing left of Harry, while she seemed much better. Her aura was brighter than I'd ever seen, so much so it was engulfing the candles around her. She bathed the room in a welcoming blue hue, and if not for my current situation, I'd almost describe it as calming. Oh, it looks like you're bleeding. My head shot up to see Lydia standing by my punctured leg. 
The runes on her shoulder still glowed their deep green, but they were much less pronounced than earlier. Let me help you with that. A different set of runes began to glow red before she placed her hand on my leg, directly on top of the bleeding wound. Ah! I screamed as an intense heat radiated out from her hand directly into my leg. It felt like she was holding a red-hot iron against my leg. The sound of my skin sizzling beneath her hand, along with the pain, almost caused me to pass out. At last, she lifted her hand, but the pain still lingered. It wasn't as bad as a moment ago, but my skin could have still been on fire for all I knew. There we go. All better now. She stepped up to my head and lowered the hand she just burned me with to my face. I flinched away, but nothing happened as she pinched my cheek. We wouldn't want you bleeding out before the night was over, would we? Do you leave all the men in your life with a burning sensation? I ground out, glaring daggers at her. Her earlier smile returned, accompanied with a small laugh. <laughs> wow, cracking jokes right now? You're making me regret this even more. You let me go, and I'll consider everything forgiven. She tapped her chin thoughtfully. Do you really mean it? She asked at last. My mind stalled for a second and was what she said registered. But before I could confirm her intentions, she flexed her fist. My rigid body shot up like it was on a spring. She held me at eye level with her. The innocent smile from a few moments ago, gone. It seemed she was all out of kindness now. Only fury and determination remained. You stopped your sister's destruction, and I genuinely hope you're proud of that. But I'm done wasting my time with you two. You don't want to play ball? Fine. But this spell is going off tonight. Good luck doing that without us in it. Last I heard, I said, letting a little confidence in my voice, you needed us. You think I didn't have a plan B? My eyes shot open at her words. She didn't bother saying anything more before launching me backwards into the warding circle. Now alone in the ring, my sister was able to catch me and stop me from crashing back to the ground. I looked up to her as she held me and felt like a baby in her arms. Whereas Harry had let all his stolen energy flood out of him into his aura, Clarissa kept it internalized. It turned her into a giant. I figured she was close to nine feet tall, and with her muscles enhanced as well, I wouldn't have been surprised to see her overpower a rampaging elephant. She put her arms under mine and lowered me to the table. I kicked aside a few books to clear some space for me to stand. All right, you two be good in there, Lydia said, still standing where she had thrown me from, both hands on her hips and a smug look on her face. If you think we're just going to stand around, you've got another thing coming, bitch, I said, sending books flying as I limped forward. What are you going to do? She responded. Your magic, and much more dangerous sister, can't get past that circle. On top of that, if you step outside, then my magic will tear you apart. Clarissa punched uselessly at the barrier, her enhanced strength useless against the ward. I stood silently at the edge of the table, eyeing the circle, my hand hidden inside my bag. That's what I thought. Now shut up. I've got work to do. Before she could step away, I spoke up. I'm sorry. Did I say we were done here? Both Lydia and Clarissa turned towards me. You're right. I can't send anything out at you. But why would I have to when all I need is right here? I pulled the hammer out from my bag, the runes I had inscribed into it already brightly glowing. My sister got a sinister look on her face and knelt down in a sprinter's pose, pointed right at Lydia. What do you think you're going to do with that? Lydia demanded. I let my actions speak for me and hopped off the table and shoved it aside violently. With room to work, 
I reared the hammer up high and shouted, SMASH! The hammer came down, full of my rage and desperation, directly into the ground. The strength of the blow created a crater in the ground several inches deep. Dozens of cracks spiderwebbed out from it. The shock from the blow reverberated up my arm painfully, but when I turned to look at the ring of paint surrounding us, I couldn't help but smile despite it. The damage from my blow separated part of the concrete, breaking the circle. With the spell now broken, Clarissa flew at Lydia. The bitch screeched something at her and hit her with a massive wave of force. Clarissa was knocked off balance, but her momentum carried her on. The two collided, actually physically collided, and went tumbling to the ground. Clarissa took the initiative and quickly mounted her from the ground and started striking at her violently. In that moment, I realized that both Lydia and Clarissa were channeling so much energy, they were on the same plane. I watched the two go at one another, Lydia doing everything she could to get Clarissa off, while my sister continued to keep Lydia trapped beneath her. I noticed two things from their fighting. The first was that Clarissa couldn't keep this up forever. Outside of the draining spell, she was losing all her excess energy and returning to normal. The second was that every time she threw a punch or made a grab, Lydia's body followed half a second afterwards. Clarissa! I yelled, knowing what had to be done. Rip the energy out of her! Clarissa rolled around to Lydia's back and placed her into a rear mount, both arms locked against her throat. Lydia struggled hard against the grip, her runes creating a menagerie of colors, trying to hit Clarissa with blasts of fire and force, but it was useless. With her arms still locked around her neck, Clarissa placed her feet against Lydia's back and straightened them out slowly. Lydia rose up on her knees as her back bent from the force. I could see the energy, a disgusting mass of black miasma, as it was slowly being shoved out of Lydia's body. You can't do this, Lydia said, strained as she was from Clarissa's hold. As if on cue, the energy that she had held within burst outwards from her chest. Clarissa, nearing normal size now, followed close behind it. Lydia fell to the ground in an unconscious pile, but the chunk of negative energy hung in the air. It twitched and turned in different directions, trying to find a new host to reside in. It made an advance towards me, but I warded it off with my hammer, arms still shaking from the exertion. My runes were barely glowing with the meager magic I could muster into them, but it still backed off. Soon enough, the energy cloud shredded away into nothing, dispersing out into the night to be absorbed into the ambient energy. My body felt like a bag of broken glass, with shards poking out through my skin. I sat in the ground wondering why anyone would voluntarily choose to put themselves in danger like this. A groan from nearby pulled me out of my head and back into the now. I rolled up to my feet, careful not to put too much weight on my wounded leg, and limped over to where Lydia was. Just stand conscious for another few seconds, bitch. I rummaged through my bag trying to find the cuffs I had bought on mine. While I was busy searching, I didn't notice Lydia murmuring to herself until it was too late. Just as I pulled the cuffs out, she launched at me. Her left hand gripped my shoulder while the other covered my mouth. The force from her attack knocked me onto my back, with her on top. She had a wild look in her eyes, and her hand was gripping me so tight I could feel the nails drawing blood beneath my clothes. I struggled underneath her to get my arms around, but she just continued her chant. Malwa Aknoshes Tor! Malwa Aknoshes Tor! Malwa Aknoshes Tor! All of a sudden, a searing pain enveloped my shoulder. I tried to yell out, but her hand muffled my screams. Unlike the last time, the pain wasn't localized to where her hand was. It continued on down my arm, and from my fingers, ran right back up through my neck and into my head. My eyes felt like they were being stabbed from within my skull, and tears of pain poured down my face. Lydia removed her hands and lay back with a self-satisfied look. 
Now we'll see how you think of magic. I punched her right in the jaw. She went down like a sack of potatoes, and I quickly grabbed the handcuffs and locked her hands behind her back like I'd seen done in so many movies. My brain still hurt from whatever bullshit she'd pulled on me, but I was elated at knocking her out. Did you see that fucking punch, Issa? BAM! One shot! I looked around but didn't see her anywhere. I had a moment of panic before I reminded myself that she probably just went back to the car. I shook my head and pulled my cell phone out to dial 911. I figured at this point, the cops could finish this up and I could finally go home. Tales to the Void is a collection of stories written and performed by Jake McFlitty. Music and production by Robert Labadee. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Until next time.